Hi there and welcome to The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. It's been raining quite a bit this night, judging from all the water here on the path. You may hear the rumbling of the cars in the distance on the highway. But I'm heading out of town into the woods here. There's a runner passing me by here on the right. Something that I'm envious of because I would so love to run. But I shouldn't. Not yet. First, try to get fit again, bring some balance to my life. And one of the first things I can do myself at the beginning of each day to build up that stamina is by taking a walk. I set myself a relatively modest goal of of walking about 10,000 steps every day. Unfortunately, I was unable to get that done yesterday. I was uh, I was super tired. Made a mistake actually. I planned to uh, to work that day, but but on Wednesday evening, stayed up very late because of all the news from Washington D.C. and the U.S. I wanted to follow that. Actually, against my own judgment, because I'd set myself, I think, some very ambitious goals of keeping myself in line when it comes to. Uh, the times that I would go to bed and wake up and I wanted to live um, as much as I could a, a very balanced life this week or well these weeks because of recovery and the beginning of the week as I shared I think in the previous episode I sat down and worked out a new schedule <clears throat> which would consist of working days or focus days and then days of rest and a day like today it's called um, a uh, what is it called? <laughs> Was it a not, not a budget day, but a, it's like a catch-up day, catching-up day, where uh, everything I couldn't focus on during the week, I'd uh, I'd be able to do today. Kind of leftover day <laughs> in a certain way. Um, but because I stayed up so late, I was tired yesterday um, on Thursday. And I had to course correct by going to bed uh, at 10 o'clock in the evening yesterday. And I woke up uh, at around, I think I was 7.30. So I definitely had some sleep to catch up with. But I, I'm glad that I'm able to kind of ease into this new schedule. And so far it's been very beneficial, at least on one level. And that is uh, calming me down. Having a schedule, instead of just winging it throughout the the day, throughout the week, has been very beneficial to me. And definitely something I'm planning on on continuing in the next couple of weeks. I also have to say uh, that that journaling, uh, using the Day One app, which is uh, available for free with limited abilities on uh, both the iOS, the Mac Store, and uh, the Google Play Store. But using that app to journal in the morning and in the evening has been a game changer. <laughs> of course, I need to keep it up. But it's for the first time in my life that I, that I see very specific benefits of sitting down. And it doesn't cost much time. It's just a few minutes um, but it's made such a huge change. There's a biker coming up, I think, behind me. 
Yep. Goedemorgen. And the dog following the lady on the bike. That's an elegant way of walking your dog. It's biking your dog. Only in the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, the, the specific benefits of journaling, uh, I think, are that I... It feels like I'm before I start, I give myself some ideas. This is what is important. This is what is not important. So this is different from the planning. And the planning is in my calendar. And I made like a general um, plan for each day, which is very strict. Starts at six in the morning. Ideally, I've not been able to do that yet. But as I said, I, I'm easing into this. Uh, and then has uh, three um, chunks of work instead of four. I could do four because, you know, if I would do an eight-hour work week. But in this time of recovery, I'm kind of limiting myself to six hours of work, if possible. I, I really want to give myself that margin of if there are days that I'm not feeling like it. I ha still have these days of fatigue. I... Um, I cut it down even more, but let's say it, in general, I try to work six hours, and then I use the two hours, the leftover hours that I n would normally work, I use those for uh, for rest, and so uh, that is in my calendar, and that's just a, like an overall planning, but the journaling helps me to prioritize. It also, surprisingly, through these daily questions the app asks me um, helps me to place everything I do today in a larger picture, in a bigger you know, by answering bigger questions like what makes you happy? What is something you would like to improve about yourself? Um, I const I'm constantly reminded of the fact that what I do today should be part of a bigger project or a bigger plan. There's more to life than just the tasks in my, uh, on my to-do list. And it helps me to discard certain impulses of, of, of spending my time on, on things that are not essential. So it helps me to uh, eliminate uh, a lot of um, projects from, from my mind, basically. There's no, no, usually no one forcing me to do these things. This is overactive, ambitious mind that always wants to uh, undertake new things instead of focusing on what truly moves uh, my calling forward. Let's cross the road here. Just like that brown cat. It's, uh, you've got a lot of cats here in this area because of farms, and so they help with the uh, cleaning, cleaning up the, <laughs> the the population of mice in a very natural way. But then, of course, cats are uh, cats, so they they walk around as if they own the world. But it's uh, fortunate that they're, it's it's not very busy here, and not that many cars. So um, the the journaling was a real discovery for me, and it's. It's so funny that oftentimes I hear about these things 
in the past on a podcast through through friends I'm thinking well that, that's not for me I can't do that that doesn't work I don't have the patience for that and then it sometimes takes a couple of years in this case before I kind of rediscover it I apply myself to it and all of a sudden I'm, I have to completely readjust my opinion about certain things or maybe I'm just in this phase of my life where it is actually useful and, and I would say in this case even necessary this is a daily reminder for me that I have to think before I work because I don't have that much energy so I'd better focus on what is truly essential um, but so far so good I'm, I'm really enjoying this uh, this daily rhythm of work and then uh, rest also knowing that there is a time for everything very biblical you know there's a time to work there's a time to rest there's a time to fight there's a time for peace etc you know the song as well oh look at these chicks uh crossing the road there is a, this farm here has a lot of chickens and roosters as you can tell and these are baby chicks so funny following their mom you wouldn't think it is the time of the year to uh, start a new family, but apparently it is. <laughs> There's a proud dad. Oh, wow, they're all outside. I count at least 20 of them, and they're uh, behind the fence and also in front of it. This, this black lady is uh, walking around here near the street. <clears throat> so I guess the fence is just symbolic. <laughs> Where was I? Wow, I'm getting distracted, so... <laughs> so often this morning <clears throat> but uh, it, it's yeah so to have a time for specific things is also uh, very calming so in case there's something comes up I get an email uh, I would like you to do this and that I can now say well hey either I can handle this in two minutes so it's a two minute rule if I can do it within two minutes I'll do it right away <clears throat> But if it requires thinking, if, it, if it's a decision that I need to ponder, uh, or if it's something that would require more work, I'll move it to another time during the day. So ideally, this Friday, I'm recording this on Friday morning, would be the day for all that leftover stuff. And uh, I just <clears throat> sit down for about an hour, go through my email and uh, empty the inbox, put everything on to-do lists, uh, or to-do lists, well, actually to-do lists is probably not the best way to handle these things, but I, I would follow up on the stuff that I could follow up on, make quick decisions on what I want to do and what I don't want to do, so no more procrastinating, no more, you know, opening the email and thinking, oh, I don't know about that, I'll reopen this email at least five more times in the upcoming weeks, and then feel guilty about not responding I'll just go quickly through it. Also knowing, and that's the difference with before. Before I was constantly falling back into that behavior of procrastination. Like, I don't know, maybe this is an opportunity. Um, I know that I'm focusing on the essential things that I need to do. And I've thought that through. And I'm, I'm like every day reminded of the importance of letting go of things that are not moving me forward. So it's easier to say no to sudden opportunities. 
or yes, for that matter, if they match my priorities. <clears throat> but in the past, I was just winging it and just kind of following my my uh, my interests and what I was enthusiastic about at that time. I would uh, I would be so more, much more insecure about um, things that people would ask me. For instance, interview requests. You know. It, it happens a lot in this tiny little country of the Netherlands that if they need a priest to comment on things, uh, be it local or, or sometimes even na- on national level, level, they'll look for a priest that knows how to talk and is uh, you know, recognizable as a priest. So they would often and still sometimes approach me for an interview. And uh, that is always time-consuming it, it, it they all they, they will tell you and i do the same by the way if i need to uh convince someone that they should be in my tv show i always promise them that it only takes a few hours and maybe with uh with just uh the, the way i approach it letting people talk about things that they're passionate about and things they already do it may actually be just that, just a few hours of their, day, of their time. But when you go, for instance, on a talk show or there's this written interview and you have to comment, I, w- I like to research. I like to kind of afterwards be able to see the text and maybe uh, make some improvements or corrections. Oftentimes with interview requests for written news media, they also ask you for photos. So you need to produce those find them in your archives, rescale them sometimes or touch them up. So it's funny, but the, the, the written interview requests are usually so much more time-consuming. The worst are the ones where they ask you to write down, you know, give written replies to written questions. That takes forever because then I go sit down and I gotta write that whole story and think about it. I think I'm way too much of a, I don't know, perfectionist maybe, to do that well. Um, But now that I know that, well, I'm currently, because I'm in recovery, I need to limit my work and focus on, on, on what's truly important. It's much easier to say, well, hey, (laughs) I'm still recovering. So thank you so much for the invitation, but... uh, Unfortunately, I don't have time or I don't have the energy. And I think I should just keep doing that even when I'm out of recovery. Not that I'm going to lie about my, my health. <clears throat> but using your, your own focus as the criterion for what I do and what I don't do, uh, that is definitely something... I should continue to do. Um, even more specific example, uh, there was this request for an interview about the China documentary that I'm currently compiling. So it's a documentary of a trip that I made with my mom of about two and a half weeks, I think, through China um, in the footsteps of my grandparents who lived there. My mom is born in Shanghai. And that, all that was filmed in 2012 I think so it's a long time ago Um, but it's still a really great material interesting material definitely something that now that I'm much more experienced in in editing and telling stories visually I'm I'm eager to uh, rework into 
a three-part series. So I got this call from um, the magazine of the broadcast organization that I work for. And they wanted to do a spread on this sec- on the second episode of the three-part series. The request came, like, literally the day after I started thinking about <laughs> the edit and uh, working through the material that I had in my archive. So at first I was a little bit... Uh, well, miffed. <laughs> the fact, and it's not to blame anyone. But I was like, oh, here we go again. These written media are so slow, so slow. So an interview has to be uh, done like three weeks in advance. And then... Uh, I don't have time for this, you know. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, this magazine probably has tens of thousands of readers they're going to do an interview with photos so that's also exposure for the documentary what i want of course is to share this story with as many people as i can so this helps me (laughs) and it also establishes me as more than a local reporter who you know takes his bike and goes from from dutch location to dutch location my one of my ambitions is to uh, to work myself up to being a true documentary maker and have my my um, documentaries on platforms like Netflix and uh, really go for the for the quality and I know that I'm already halfway there if not more uh, thanks to the experience with these smaller episodes but you know this is this is also motivating for me to <laughs> and to uh, more and more. Um, establish myself as a, as a documentary maker instead of just a reporter. Because that's, again, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? That's where I want to go. That's, that's, you've heard me talk about this for years. The thing is, having uh, worked on, on my schedule at the beginning of this year and now journaling every day, and, and especially at the end of the day, that is, a, is an important moment for me where I look back on the day what did you actually get done how do you feel about it what are you proud of what could you improve questions like that Um, show me time and again how little you can do in one day Um, and so even with all the focus I still always get less done than I wanted to and there are days where I just I don't I don't have the energy to work and I give myself leeway to take another day off, for instance, like yesterday. Slept a few hours in the afternoon instead of forcing myself um, and, and, and ignoring the boundaries, the physical boundaries of, of, uh, of my current situation. And I gave myself some leeway, but then at the end of the day I have to conclude, well, well, I didn't do what I wanted to do. Oh well, it's just an extra day of rest. Um, but just being more aware of the limitations of the current situation and knowing from the feedback I got from from uh, my therapists that the, one of the reasons that I'm not recovering very, very much uh, these days is because I'm continuing a lifestyle that probably was already derailing before I got COVID. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it means that I can't, both work on this 
you know, path towards full-fledged full uh, television documentaries um, and, and try to do everything else at the same time. And uh, so that, that is the most important lesson that I'm learning at the beginning of this new year. Um, always start with your, with your essential <laughs> tasks and what, what you want to do, what will make you uh, meet your long-term goals and then, and then work backwards and then think, well, what else have I got time for? In this case, I did the interview. I've got another couple of requests from international media to talk about, oh, it's, sometimes it's like Star Wars and Christmas or like a general interview about geeky priests, etc. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. It takes... It takes hours to do uh, an interview and all the correction afterwards, etc. Is this really helping me? Yeah, it may attract more people to my YouTube page. That is fun. If I want to grow that YouTube channel, if that becomes uh, one of my primary goals, then maybe, maybe I should do it. But not right now. Because <laughs> I know how I work, <laughs> how my mind works. If I do an interview about my YouTube page, my mind tells me, but you haven't d- done any updates. You should do more about Star Wars or whatever. And that is, again, where journaling helps me to focus. Do I have leftover time for this? Is it serving? Am I going left here? No, I'm going to continue. I need to get my 10,000 st- steps in, so always trying to figure out where where I go back home. How many steps have I done so far? Uh, four and a half thousand. Okay, that's, that's not enough. I need to walk a little bit more. So, uh, it's, anyway, <laughs> I'm being a bit long-winded right now, but you see where, where I'm going. Um, focusing and, 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 really aiming for the, the, the larger plan for the, for the long-term goals I think is essential for me this year especially now that I am 100% freed up to focus on this again, at the end of this week I told you already last week I'm more and more convinced that this was the right decision to step back from parish duties no matter how important those are um, but to be able to focus fully on this media apostolate um, also helps me with this, you know, kind of shutting out a lot of the noise. And now that I don't have to worry about the parish stuff anymore, I can feel the difference. I can feel how much calmer I am. And there's still some leftover anxiety, of course, about the kind of consequences of this step. One of which could be that I won't be able to stay <laughs> and uh, live here. But ultimately, every time I'm, I'm thinking this through, is it important? Is it important where I live? Is it important if I can stay here or not? If I look at my long-term goals, it's, none of those goals involve me you know, living comfortably in this place in the world. <laughs> uh, the goals are... are 
I, I don't think should ever be about myself. Those are the, the, the factors that make it possible to reach my goals, like having a steady, having having certain job security and and uh, a home security uh, or stability that also frees up my mind. But it's a tool in a certain way. And nobody really cares where I live, except for me. I kind of like it here. But that's not enough of a reason to, uh, to freak out whenever that situation uh, is threatened. So all in all, um, I'm going for the, the one thing that I know I, I do very well, that I love doing, and that is a, a real step forward for me which is documentary making. Now, uh, it's still difficult. The thing that I struggled most with over the past months, I think, think ever since this this, uh, opportunity to go full-time in media presented itself, one of the things I've I've struggled with the most is this uh, anxiety about letting go of the situation that I know. And, um, of course, intellectually, I know that it's the only way to move forward is to let go of what you have and embrace the future, embrace the <laughs> change. Change is challenging and it uh, helps you push your boundaries. Um, but I think most, most of all, because of this uh, the getting COVID and not feeling fit, not knowing how this would end, and how, how quickly I'll be on my feet again. Um, the insecurity when it comes to... Or uncertainty, I should say. The uncertainty about uh, the future of my work in TV. In its current form. All that kind of made the temptation bigger to cling on to what I have. And embracing something that you don't really see yet, uh, that's hard. It's, it's e- much easier to jump into the future when you have a lot of stability. It's like when you want to jump into a pool. Uh, you feel more secure if you're standing on a, um, a concrete ledge rather than on a flimsy branch of a tree that could break any minute. Um, because it's easier to to propel yourself forward if the ground under your feet is solid instead of shaky. So that is probably why I, had to, I, I was struggling less and less nowadays, but um, I just didn't want to let go and was afraid of making changes and trying to embrace something big that requires your full attention while at the same time continuing to do all the stuff that is actually holding you back, of course, never works. And I had to think back of a, of a time in my life where I also had to make a similar choice. And that was in uh, 2002, or maybe even 2001. I'd just been sent to Rome um, after serving in my first parish for five years. And I was asked to... Uh, write a thesis in theology 
And uh, I was very motivated to do that. Of course, it was a, a huge opportunity to be able to live in Rome for a couple of years. Um, and back then, I had my, my kind of what I expected my future to be was to, uh, to do this doctorate, write my thesis, and then my life would be a combination of uh, parish work and probably being a teacher at a university or even uh, writing books or whatever. I don't know if that has always been my greatest ambition, but that was kind of the image, the picture that I painted for myself. But as you know, once I was there, I discovered this media uh, institute at the Gregorian University, which offered a two-year media training, and immediately I was fascinated by that opportunity and I felt like well this is what I'm good at this is what I want to do but at the same time I didn't want to disappoint my bishop of course or myself I I had no idea what this media where this could lead I didn't see the purpose of it I just felt an attraction it's like well this feels so right this is totally for me but I had no proof that this would be of any use in the future. And so I tried to do both things. I continued to follow all the theology courses at the Greg. Um, I think that was about 20 hours a, a week. I started working on my thesis. So that was research. That was, you know, leftover time. And then I started, even without telling my bishop, this uh, media um, uh, well, these media courses at, at this institute, which very quickly amounted to a full 40-hour uh, work week with uh, a lot of courses and even more time-consuming, a lot of homework, because it was, of course, also a practical uh, formation, not, not just a theory of, uh, of of mass media, etc. But you 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 needed to end up as a media maker. So I spent countless hours at the computer, filming outside, recording radio interviews, editing. It was a ton of work. And for about a year, I tried to do both, not knowing. I was trying. I was betting on two horses instead of going for what I felt was my, my calling. But after about a year, I got stuck. I was, well, I got stuck with my thesis. This thing that I thought would be so important for the limited idea that I had about my own future, namely teaching at a university, this, uh, this thesis had stalled. I thought the courses, uh, the theology courses, were interesting, but also oftentimes boring. I was spending a lot of time on, on, on trying to learn things that had nothing to do with the media uh, training that I was receiving. So it felt like a waste of time. I wasn't motivated for it. And the worst was sitting in the library in total silence, trying to focus on uh, the books that I wanted to read for my thesis. And then my mind, every 
five minutes going to this cool uh, documentary that I was making and editing on Avid and uh, my dreams about what I, all the things that I could do if I was more skilled in media. I was unable to get anything done on that thesis. And so after a year, even before that, like I think after about six months, I knew that I had to choose. And I knew that what I was certain would, you know, be something that would be acknowledged by my bishop and would be a pretty predictable future, uh, that I had to let go of that. It was not possible. Unless, and I still remember, I came up with this plan of doing, still doing both, if only I had one more year in Rome. And then my diocese said, no, you have two years. (laughs) And I, I convinced my bishop that this media formation was more, more useful. Actually, I didn't have to convince him. He actually affirmed it himself. He said, this is, I think this is more important than what I initially sent you to Rome for. So please, continue. <laughs> but I still at this, well, but I don't want to let go of this ambition that I had to write this thesis. And I know I can do it. And that was true. I was a, I was a good student. And I was super interested in uh, the matter that I was studying but I didn't calculate the costs. I did not fully realize that if you want to write a thesis it requires your full it, it requires every moment of your life for, for two years. It's basically writing a thick book plus studying. It's not fiction. <laughs> you have to really work hard. Not that fiction writers are not working hard but it's um, what ends up on paper is just a fraction of the work you have to do. But I was, I knew that like theoretically I could do it, but I was forgetting to count the hours it would take, especially if you're trying to do that other thing as well. So having the confirmation by my bishop that he was okay with me uh, doing this, this media formation following this media course of two years uh, that became for me the, the, the way in which I could um, say goodbye to the, the, to, to the, the dream of, uh, of defending my thesis at the Greg and so uh, now in hindsight I look back on that I was like did I ever how, why did I ever doubt that media should get my my time, my effort. My, that's my thing. That's my life right now. It's working in the media, with media. It's, it combines everything that I'm good at. And it is super useful to a lot of people. Whereas if I'd written that thesis, yeah, undoubtedly that would have been a minor contribution to that particular part of theology soon to be superseded by people way more brilliant than I am. And, yeah, I'd be of a certain use to a couple of students at the, at the university. But I think it would have been very limited. And I'm so much more happy uh, with, with the media work that I currently do, and I can't imagine my life being any different. So, uh, but, but the, 
affirmation of my bishop, but this is a different bishop than I have currently, was um, for me kind of the the guarantee, the backing that I needed, that I felt I needed to uh, to decide. If I apply that lesson to today, I would say I have the backing of my bishop. It's a formal approval of me uh, letting go of my parish tasks, even though not everyone will understand. But it's my bishop telling me officially uh, that should be reason enough to go for it and then to maximize the uh, opportunity that I've been given, which is a great opportunity considering how few priests there are and how great the need is in many parishes. For me, that should be the green light to focus on it and to think big and to pursue this this bigger plan and stepping away even from the things that I currently I kind of against my better knowledge consider to be job security and income security what matters is that you help people with what you do best and then all the rest will follow um, I, uh, to go back to the journaling I wanted to share with you a list that I made I think yesterday on oh, what was a kind of a lost day I was so tired just the result of being stupid and, and, and staying up super late to watch all the news from the US um, instead of the summary the next morning. But anyway, one of the good things, and, and uh, that's also one of, one of the uh, things I love about uh, journaling, the, uh, uh, in the evening I do this uh, five-minute journal, and the first question is, uh, what are you grateful for? Uh, I think, or is that in the morning? I don't know, but I wrote down, I'm, I'm thankful that today I've been filling in this uh, impromptu question that came from this automated function in uh, day one, asking me yesterday, list 10 things that make you happy. That's not a question that I answer a lot. And I had to sit down and really think that over, think that through. What makes me happy? And I was a bit shocked that I couldn't come up with much and uh, that I was immediately censoring myself on the things that I did think of, like sitting in a chair and reading a book. That makes me happy. I was like, oh, I can't write that down. It's so self-centered and not useful. <laughs> and that helped me to become aware of this inner voice that constantly tells me that I can't enjoy simple things. It always has to be useful. It always has to contribute to something. Whereas one of the lessons I'm supposed to learn in this time of recovery is to both focus on what is essential, but limiting that to the time and the energy that you have, and also considering uh, relaxation, sports, like a walk like this morning, uh, time to cook, as just as essential to what I'm trying to accomplish in life as the work itself. One is gives you the fuel to do the other. So, um, 
I was I was struggling to write down the things not because I not just because I couldn't think of of things that make me happy but also because I was constantly debating with myself if I would allow these things to make me happy. So, what did I end up writing? It was pretty revealing to myself. First thing I wrote down was reading. Because that's uh that's absolutely my big discovery of the previous year of 2020 start reading again which has always been a hobby of mine ever since I was a child I would read every day multiple hours at night often and I completely lost that habit and now that I've found it again thanks to Goodreads um, I'm not letting go anymore this is very uh, it's fun I'm, again I'm trying to come up with reasons why this is useful but It's not just useful, it makes me happy to read a story. Anyway, the second thing is more work-related. It's filming. I like, and I specifically say filming because that's the aspect that I like the most. It's not interviewing, it's not editing, um, but it's filming. It's making pretty pictures. Filming pretty (laughs) pictures and um, the challenge of uh, using limited time to make something beautiful. Also, the, the, what I like most about filming is composition and color. Is uh, So that every shot is beautiful. And, of course, at the same time, I'm very constrained, constricted in time. I usually have only about three or four hours to film everything from start to finish. And yet I don't want to cut corners on the visual quality of it all. Um, this, this is why fil- uh, filming these, these uh, short documentaries myself has been a joy. And I, I'm, now that I'm going through my China footage, um, I'm, I'm, uh, on one hand, I'm pretty okay with what I filmed. The country is gorgeous and uh, it's not too shabby. But I'm also sometimes horrified by the lack of technique back then. And I'm doing a lot of zooming in, zooming out, and the fire hose filming where you move your camera from left to right. Like, oh, I need to capture this panorama. Let's move from left to right. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching this now. So many years later, I'm thinking, slower, don't, don't move the ca- don't zoom in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it goes to show how much I've learned in the previous years. Uh, But I enjoy, I really enjoy filming. And one of the aspects that I, that is gratifying is when with very limited time and limited means, I'm still able to make something that looks uh, like it's been uh, filmed with a much higher budget and with an entire camera crew. There's also a bit of pride in like, okay, I... I can do... Look what I can do with so little. It's like the cooking challenges where you have to cook with five ingredients. I mean, those are the... The constraints are making it so much more fun to cook with five ingredients and make something spectacular rather than relying on an entire pantry full of of quality ingredients. So, and another thing that... uh, these limitations do is it makes you more inventive 
it uh, kind of get, gets rid of um, one of my pet peeves, or no, not pet peeves, one of my uh, 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 tendencies to, to, uh, to be too perfectionistic. Uh, which is very counterproductive. I, this is especially plaguing me when it comes to my YouTube channel. I'm so, I'm, I always want the lighting to be perfect, the the preparation to be uh, extensive. And but the more I prepare, the less fun it becomes to do it. So I kind of procrastinate, and I I always associate YouTube with a ton of work. <laughs> Like, I, I could spend an entire day editing a 10-minute video. Whereas most people follow me on YouTube because of the spontaneity of the reactions. They don't care about how it's filmed. They want to see how I react. But the perfectionism, and maybe this is also... Um, comes with the territory of, of being um, a, a television program maker I just wanted to look good and not amateur amateuristic but this perfectionism is blocking me when it comes to producing YouTube content uh, and the the same is true for television if what if if I have four hours or an entire day if I have an entire day uh, of filming the end result will be more or less the same so it's real. I've noticed this because there have been times that I only had four hours. For instance, when I was filming with the sisters, the uh, Clara's sisters in uh, in Megan, and uh, they showed me how to live a vegetarian lifestyle. They only had four hours because of their community duties. Half of that time, they had to re- cook. Really, not for the camera for the congregation so there was no time to uh, please can you do that again can I miss that shot no I had to just film what was there and I enjoy that it's like with almost nothing I think I turned it into one of my best episodes at least I was very happy with the end result and so were a lot of viewers Whereas uh, another time I, I went uh, to a town and I took all day. It was a gorgeous day. Sun was shining. It was a long ride. So I was like, okay, I didn't come here for nothing. I'm just going to squeeze every second of this day to film as much as I can. So I filmed for maybe six hours. But in the end, what I used most was the stuff that I filmed in the span of two hours only. That was enough. <laughs> But this creative process of, of filming and uh, the, the kind of the rush, the adrenaline rush of, of making something that is fun, that is has a lot of um, energy. I think the energy in in my TV shows comes from also this <laughs> this lack of time. Um, so. It, it, this makes me happy. And when I go home after a day like that, I'm like, wow, that was so cool. And oftentimes I'm very apprehensive before I go. But it always turns out well. And I'm all, I always have fun doing it. 
Um, the third thing that makes me happy that I wrote down, and it shows that it is really in the f- kind of like in the forefront of my mind. Is that the word? Is that how you say it? Is uh, having no deadlines. That makes me happy right now. I don't have an immediate deadline. Well, I do have a deadline next week. My uh, first episode of the China series has to be done on uh, Thursday morning. It's got to be on the servers of the broadcasting company for the final edit. But this past period around the holidays, I did not have deadlines. And deadlines are important uh, to keep you to keep me or they used to be very important to keep me going um, and uh, sometimes under high pressure I was able to to uh, produce TV shows now that I'm looking back on it I, I can't even remember how I did it but I think it's kind of a clunky method of getting things done because it comes from fear and the time pressure stops me from procrastination and perfectionism because there is a hard time limit on how much energy I can spend on that. But ideally, of course, I just work and produce episodes because I love it and and there's motivation to bring it to the people that are waiting for it. Like with podcasting, why am I recording this episode this morning? Because I like to share this process and I want to keep you up to date. There is no one who tells me I have to. There's not a sanction if I don't upload this today. But I want to because it's fun. it makes me happy. <laughs> and I know that you're listening to this because it you enjoy it. I hope. Maybe it's penance that you receive for grave sins in that case. I'm glad to be of service as well, but for most of you, it's a voluntary thing that you do. And that makes me much more happy than uh, constantly working against this deadline. And uh, Because what, the, what it does is this fear of not making the deadline. I've always, always made the deadline. There's, I don't think I've ever skipped an episode on TV because I couldn't deliver That has never happened. But it has sometimes forced me to completely lose sight of my health by working all night long and just gruesome, gruesome days of editing. But (laughs) I have to constantly remind me of the fact if if you have to pay for something with your health, with your life then the price is too high and that's true there's you cannot trade in your health for for money for income it doesn't work because you have to have health to live and work is never a, a goal in itself it's a, well sometimes it is this is a rat hole <laughs> let me just go back to my list here <laughs> Oh, it's getting too complicated. Um, but having no deadlines. If, if I write that down as the third thing, it's in my top three. 
then maybe it is time to change and to get rid of those deadlines. And there are two ways in which I can do that. One is long-term, one is short-term. Long-term is changing. Uh, You hear the bells here of this uh, Protestant church in front of me, indicating that it is 10.30, which means I have eight minutes to get home, which I will not probably be able to do. Uh, Oh, well, I'll just uh, move the schedule around a little bit. But... It's it's focusing truly on the on these big documentaries, and I have some ideas about what I want to do, but I can't do most of which is of course traveling and do, doing these bigger documentaries that I've that have been on my to do on my wish list for a long time. But because of the situation in the world uh, and the travel restrictions, that may be something for the end of the year, maybe even two thousand twenty two. Uh, so if I'm lucky, I can do, you know, one big documentary towards the end of the year. I still have time to think about what that should be. In the short term, one of the ways for me to get rid of the deadlines is by giving them to someone else. Uh, in my last session with a physical therapist, she said, uh, she made me do this exercise. Maybe I've already shared that with you. So I have to stand, first of all, uh, take off my shoes, stand on the floor. And then I had to describe how it felt. And uh, how I had to close my eyes and try to keep my balance. And I thought it was a balance exercise. But then she said, um, so how does this feel? Uh, just don't tell me yet, but focus on how this feels. And what I felt was uh, not very stable uh, the shoes give you a lot of extra support, so you're standing on your with your uh, with your socks on a concrete floor. Mm. Then she had me step on a yoga mat, which is about an inch thick. And then again, she asked me, "How does this feel?" Close your eyes, try to keep your balance, and immediately I felt the difference. Because the, there is padding, there is, it's softer. And because you, your heel and the, the ball of your foot sink into the fabric of the yoga mat, I felt very stable. And it was comfortable. It was also warmer um, than, the, than the, the concrete floor. So that felt really good. And then she had me step on a very thick, kind of mattress-like thing... It's very squishy, and I had to do the same. Close your eyes, and uh, how does this feel? And that didn't feel good at all because I because it was so squishy and I was moving around so much. Uh, I constantly had to adapt to kind of uh, try to find my balance and uh, and correcting with little muscles in my feet. I could feel everything move. My knees were all over the place just to stay up upright, especially with your eyes closed. Then she said, now open your eyes in front of you. I was uh, near the wall. Um, Are some wooden handlebars. Uh, Grab those with both hands. How does that feel? I was like, well, this is so much better. Because I can hold on to something. So it makes it much easier to, uh, to relax. And I just felt that the moment I was... 
uh, holding onto those handlebars, I, I could feel myself relax. My feet didn't have to do all the work. And then she said, now let go of one hand. And I let go. Still very super stable. Because my one hand was doing most of the stabilization. And then she said, well now, only hold on to the handlebar with one finger. That's what I did. And to my surprise, it still felt comfortable. And that one finger was uh, keeping me balanced and relaxed. And then she said, okay, what does this mean? <laughs> that was one of those moments where I felt on Dagobah and Yoda is like tricking you into thinking you're doing something, but you're actually learning something different. <laughs> so... I said, well, what I learned is it only takes one finger to be much more relaxed um, and to keep my balance, even though the, 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 the mattress on which I'm standing is very uh, squishy and unstable. She said, that one finger, what if that is the help that you can ask someone? What if it's someone who helps you just a little bit? with a few tasks it doesn't have to you don't need to completely resign from everything and stop doing what you do but that one finger gave you the stability that you need think about I want you to think about what that means for your own life when it comes to uh, eliminating tasks and outsourcing work think about the little changes uh, you can you can uh, organize. So uh, the uh, think think about tasks that may be very small compared to the bigger projects in your life, but that you can outsource, and that would give you more stability. I was like, whoa, okay. I think this is an important lesson. And um, now that I'm uh, kind of planning ahead for the year, not having deadlines. The deadlines are causing me to go off the rails health-wise. I cannot afford that. I need to get fit. So it's a priority to get that managed. What is my... What is one of the biggest... Um, uh, issues that are hampering um, a healthy lifestyle? Deadlines. So, I, I have to make the decision to find help to take care of those deadlines. And the deadlines are just deadlines. There are lots of people, professionals, that know how to deal with deadlines. It's not... The, it's actually the least interesting thing for, the, for my viewers. They don't see uh, the, the, the late night hours. They only see the end result. And what, what they see is what I filmed. It's the fun I had. It's the story I tell. That's where my qualities are. So I'm not good at meeting deadlines because of this high pace of production that I still am currently uh, embracing as, as being part of the job. Now, long term, as I said, may not be what I want to do for the rest of my year. But for now, in this last run, uh, until... What is it in May? 
there's an easy way to get rid of those deadlines if they make me unhappy, and that is just outsource the work. All right, so that was an easy decision. Then, list 10 things that makes you happy. Number four, walking, what I'm doing right now. I so enjoy that. I can't run, but I can walk. And when I go for a walk in the morning, it changes my entire day. Because I'm outside, I have time to think. Sometimes I'm, I can record a, a podcast, which is for me like a verbal way of thinking. Uh, and I hear the birds. I can, I'm, I'm in nature, so I see how the seasons change. I'm in this nice environment with farms and birds and sometimes sheep and horses that are running around in the distance on my left here. And that is very good for me and it makes me happy and it releases probably uh, endorphins and other good you know chemicals that are kind of like a reward for healthy and healthy activity so if that makes me happy i'm not going to skip that so uh, that's why i'm work i'm i'm walking now instead of sitting at my desk uh working on my inbox this is a buffer day so I catch up on the things that I haven't been able to do in previous days one of them was walking yesterday I was so tired that I had to sleep for a couple of hours in the afternoon and in the evening I was still too tired so I didn't walk I only got like 2,000 steps which is nothing uh, that is why I start the day walking because this is part of the things I need to catch up on and it makes me happy then number five watching movies and tv shows that is a joy uh, to watch a good story so I try to do a little bit of that in the evening but not too much um, usually I watch like half a documentary or half a movie and then watch the other half the next day but it makes me happy it helps me especially after a uh, an intense day of work like on Wednesday I, I should have had my day off but I chose to do that interview about the China documentary which took up half of the day so um, the, the next day I didn't, I didn't do much either so uh, what often happen, happens is that I, didn't, I feel guilty watching TV or watching a movie and I, I work instead well, I promised myself not to do that. My, my new planning does not allow me to work be, beyond 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm, I'm holding myself to it. So I make room to watch a movie. Um, another thing that came to mind was sharing food around a table. This is uh, relatively new. I, I live, of course, alone. And so I'm used to cook for myself and eat by myself. But uh, in the summer, we finally <laughs> realized a dream that I've had for many years. And that is to have a grill in the backyard and invite friends to come over and, uh, you know, have a nice summer, summer meal outside. I, I cherish these days. And because it was during COVID times uh, and the lockdown... It was just one of those moments that you could kind of socialize and it was fun and 
and it was good food and we did that again around Christmas with uh, fondue between Christmas and the new year that was fun too so every once in a while share food together with friends that makes me happy um, arranging my home <laughs> sounds weird but I really like to uh, create a homestead and, and make it cozy and nice and so uh, the last week I've been bit by bit rearranging my bedroom which only had a bed and a TV a uh, TV that I never used <laughs> so since one of the options that uh, I think could be uh, a way for me to to uh, to use the the place where the rectory better and by and, and freeing up space for the parish would be to move upstairs completely and so I was uh, uh, building a new workplace with a the movable desks that I have so I can stand behind the desk and sit if necessary and I I kind of move things around to make that work and uh, I like doing that um, and, and I'm happy with the result <laughs> it's like moving things around and making it look nice yeah I enjoy that uh, what else is on my list sharing with my followers it's kind of a very generic description of what I'm doing right now as I'm walking here next to the highway probably not the smartest itinerary now that I think of it because it's been raining so the cars are very loud on the pavement um, but I, I enjoy uh, sharing content and that can be in so many different forms I love putting videos on YouTube. Uh, I love sharing with my TV viewers. I like podcasting and sharing that. Not only doesn't it, it does it not feel like work, but it it motivates me. So that is a type of work that I can probably do for forever because it's uh, it's giving me energy instead of costing energy. That's the best type of work. Um, and then I remembered something that really makes me super happy, and I haven't been able to do that last year. Only once. It's going to cosplay slash geek events, like the Comic-Con type of event, or the fantasy events, where people dress up in homemade costumes. Uh, the Star Wars premieres with the 501st stuff like that makes me extremely happy it's being around people of my kin in a certain way um, I'm often vilified for it by uh, the, the, the naysayers the, uh, people that always try to find things that they can criticize me for so as soon as I go to uh, a fantasy event I get accused of uh, uh, walking with the 
superstitious people that believe in fairy tales, etc. That's not my problem. <laughs> it makes me happy, and these are my people, and those are also people that I, I help uh, by listening to them, by sharing my own, my common passion with them, which gives us a common language. And just by being there as a priest is, I think, for, for many of them, uh, it helps them to see the church where it normally is not present. But it also helps me to be visible as someone that listens, um, that can give them advice if necessary. If not, that's okay too. But it is, for me, a form of uh, shepherding a flock that I've come across and that rarely goes to church, if ever. But that's not a problem. Well, that's not my problem. I'm a shepherd. I want to be with the sheep. And I can't force them to go where they don't want to go. But I can go to them. And it is, for me, it's the, maybe the, what gives me the best memories every year. It's these events. All right, let me cross the road here. And then we move away from the noise of the cars. Let's see. Looking left, looking right. Okay, that's fine. Ah. So hopefully, now that the vaccination has uh, begun, um, towards, again, second half of the year, maybe, I'm supposed to walk here in a place where there are no cars, and now all the cars are turning right and <laughs> passing me by anyway. Um, hopefully, in that, that will be, again, a, a staple ingredient of my years. And it's something I will not miss out on anymore I'm going to reserve a small budget to go to these days with friends um, and to enjoy them to the full to the fullest because I've discovered in the past three or four years how important these events are for me to connect to uh, a whole bunch of friends that only know me from there <laughs> from those moments and not from church not from TV not from podcasting um, and then the final thing I wrote down is music. And that's true. Music really makes me happy. Listening all types of music. And it's such a simple thing. I've, I've got the Spotify free subscription. No, it's not a subscription. It's free. And yeah, every once in a while you get an advertisement. I don't care. You also get a lot of good music that I enjoy listening to. M- music helps me to, um, to, to affect my moods. So listening to calming music calms, really calms me down. So oftentimes I, I'll just have this playlist on while I'm reading. It's this calm piano music and uh, it helps me focus. Sometimes I want to sing along with stuff when I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> but, so, but music is important. Sometimes even making music, which I don't, I don't do that much anymore. Um, 
but there is a piano in the church and it's unfortunate that usually the church is super cold uh, because the heating is not on in the winter but every once in a while I sit at the piano and just improvise and that is fun too I can't usually can't do that for too long because then I get frustrated about how little I'm able to play some I have a lot of memories in my head <laughs> but my hands don't collaborate <laughs> but uh, yeah music is something I'm grateful for so these 10 things that make make me happy and happiness is is good for you it's good for your health and it uh, I I think that priorities should include these 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 things if they make me happy should be part of my day-to-day life and should not be sacrificed for work because work is not the only thing that is important so this is nice it's just an example of how um, one simple question yesterday have gave me the occasion to think about the things that truly matter and also reflect on whether I'm sacrificing these things look at these two little horses here Hello. Oh, they're beautiful. Well, actually, they're full, they're very muddy, and they're just staring at me. I think these are either, these are ponies, or it's just a, like a small type of horse, I guess. They're actually a little bit too uh, thin for most ponies are are much uh, fatter and bulkier. So this, this is probably just a, like a dwarf horse or something good for hobbits like me (laughs) Um, wow I've been talking for way too long sorry to take up so much of your time where am I with steps very good 10,747 steps (laughs) that's it so I got that in for today so prioritize the essential things in life focus also Don't forget about the things that make you happy, the little things. And make room for those things, because without them, you'll feel miserable. And with the, I know that with this top 10, if I accommodate my life in such a way that I can um, honor these, these things, um, it will balance out the stuff that is harder and sometimes frustrating, uh, because that's also part of life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support on Patreon. Welcome to the new patrons. Um, And we'll talk soon. Take care and God bless.